Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Yes, indeed. And I am joined by Mary Meyer, horticultural science faculty member and extension horticulturist at the U of M. You want to ask Mary questions about gardens, about lawns, uh, let's see, ornamental grasses, uh, her last book. What was the name of that book? Oh. That's a great book. That's a great book. The uh, 10 Plants That Change Minnesota. Gosh, I had so much fun writing that and still uh, lots of interest in that. I uh, just last week gave a talk on that. Oh, you did? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, right. I am watching the cover of Crop Science for that book to be on it or or, or some one of the 10 plants is going to be on it. Oh, so, fun. Yeah, fantastic. So that's, yeah, lots of fun. That's that fun. Book. How long did it take you to put that together? Oh, a year. A year of writing after you get the contract. I think a year is kind of standard, isn't it? I don't don't know. know. (laughs) I don't know. If you get a contract, I work on a year, try to get it done in a year. That's fantastic. Well, I like like to hear from that, about that from time to time, because it's a great book. Uh, If you have any kind of a lawn or garden question for Mary, call it in or text it. And again, the same number applies for phone calls and text messages, 651-989-9226 for your phone calls uh, and or text messages. And we've cleared the line, so if you want to talk to, uh, to Mary, I urge you to call or text right now because we do get busy here. We get very busy. And in the beginning, people are listening and thinking, and then all of a sudden it's it's an avalanche of calls <laughs> and, it's, and texts. And it's a few minutes to go to the end of the show. That's, right. that's the thing. Right. So early, early this morning, Mary, uh, we received a text from uh, a listener wanting to know, is anything going on at the Arboretum? Uh, this holiday weekend that's coming up. Yes, there's so much going on at the Arboretum. So last um, Thursday, we had the tree lighting ceremony, and we have another beautiful 25-foot-tall poinsettia tree in the Great Hall inside. But outside, we have the winter lights display. So it's, it's up and going now on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday evenings. This is free if you're an oh, it Arbor- is. if you're an Arboretum member. Okay. There's no special admission. If you're a member, you can come uh, bring your family as many times as you want. But it's just on the weekends in the evening, five to nine. But it's a fabulous display of lights around the buildings, and you can come inside. The cafe restaurant is going to be open today. There are two performances during the day today. There are two performances of musical uh, Christmas oh. music out there. The gift shop has some fabulous things. If you're a member, there's a special discount for the gift shop. So this is a great time. If you're not a member of the Arboretum, become a member. Come back all through the holiday season. Enjoy the winter light. So inside, beautiful Christmas trees and outside, fabulous lights. Some with music. Yeah, it's lots of fun. Any time of the year, it's great to go there. But I, I always like to mention that during the holiday when family and friends are gathering it's Say, well, where, where are we going to take our special. friends and family? Take right. them to the Arboretum. Exactly, because now the winter lights mm-hmm. is really a fun thing. And new this year, 
Um, if people don't want the hassle of driving and parking, et cetera, the Chaska, from Chaska, Southwest Transit is running a bus system. No in kidding. In the evenings, yeah, from 4.30 on the, the Friday, Saturday, Sunday evenings, you can park in Chaska and then ride a bus out to the Arboretum. It's a great so, idea. Yeah, so check out the website. It will show you the trail where the lights are as well as the information on the transit. But if you are going to drive... Uh, directions, quick directions, west on yes, 5. west on Highway 5, just west of the intersection of 41 and 5. Uh, you'll see the just on the south side there. So beautiful time to see the Arboretum. Lots really going on. Yep. And, and the temperature's moderate, too. Today, this weekend, wonderful time to get outside in the sunshine, enjoy the uh, walk. You can walk around Three Mile Drive. Now, the drive, we have closed the drive around Three Mile Drive, and I, I think that will stay closed now because we had those early uh, icy days oh, and yeah. snow. So we closed the drive, but certainly a wonderful place to walk. All right. Call in your lawn or garden question or text it in, 651-989-9226. That number applies to both. I was thinking, because uh, in the last week, actually the last couple of weeks, maybe more, as you know, Mary, we've had a lot of questions, uh, both calls and texts, about dormant seating. Oh, yeah. That seemed to be a, a big topic. And I, this is a, yeah, it's really interesting because uh, the weather is what really determines dormant seating. And of course, we can't predict the weather. Right. A couple of weeks ago, I was on and I said, oh, this is it. You know, today, forget it. Up day, forget <laughs> yeah. it. And then um, Teresa came on and things moderated. And Teresa said, yeah, I think we've got some time here. And, of course, we do. Because, and it looks like this week is, is still yeah, another if chance. You, if you have the seed, I would definitely put it down. Uh, our soil temperatures are at freezing. Um, I, I, this is interesting. If anyone is out there shoveling, I don't think you can shovel anymore. I think that's over. And that usually when the soil is totally freezing, frozen, um, it's past the time for dormant seeding. Oh, okay. But uh, we, we, are, we are hovering right around because we've had these warmer days and then cool. And so normally we say mid, mid-November is about the time to do it, but then we have that cold snap. So it's a, it's a challenge. It really is. I yeah. see a lot of, uh, this time of year, maybe especially this time of year, uh, tree trimmers, tree oh, right. co- major companies yeah. with the big Perf- cherry pickers. Perfect and- timing. Yes, that's the one other thing I was going to say. This is the time to do it. Uh, our oaks, this is a safe time to prune oaks. Uh, and really, pretty much all of your trees, you can do a lot of pruning. Uh, it's good because um, people are, are not as concerned about their flower beds down below. They're pretty much dormant and gone. So they don't mind if somebody walks over them on the bottom because uh, it's over for the season. And it's a safe time for pruning. Um, It's easy to see. We just wrote an article about hazardous trees and how to select an arborist. Oh, yes. It's up there also on our website. So if you go to extension.umn.edu, click on Yard and Garden, learn about Yard and Garden. Uh, The blog will come up, and you'll see these uh, wonderful pictures of uh, bad trees or trees trees that are uh, hazardous that might uh, fall. So this is kind of a learning thing for a lot mm. of people to understand what's a good branch angle, what's a bad branch angle. And uh, the very first thing is what kind of tree do you have? Because that determines uh, how fast it grows, if it's likely to break, when to do the pruning and things like that. So lots of great information on the website. And uh, in the winter, we can really see the branches on the tree. Yeah, that's true. So good time to look up and evaluate your trees and have tree work done.
And the website is? Extension.umn.edu. Excellent. Let's go to the phones, Mary. Uh, Ron is first up. You're calling from Savage. Ron, you're on with Mary. Good morning, Mary. I'm calling to find out if it's too late to plant tulip bulbs. Well, if you can get them into the ground, you definitely should do that. I think it's going to be a real challenge for you um, with uh, what I would consider to be manual tools. Now, at the Arboretum, where we plant a lot of tulips, we actually use an auger, a bulb auger. And uh, if you have access to that, uh, one that's, you know, three inches in diameter or so, that's uh, that's going to be your challenge, Ron. Uh, you need to plant them, but will you be able to get into the ground because it's uh, frozen? Okay. Good luck, Ron. Let me know. Yeah, let us know. <laughs> uh, let's go to Forest Lake. I think Mary is there. Mary, you are on with Mary. Good morning. Uh I hear about uh, a spray that you can use on your outdoor living evergreens. Um, is it too late to put that on now, or does it work? Or I think probably what you're referring to are things that we call or kind of uh, the anti-desiccants. Yes. Uh, wilt uh, proof. Wilt things. proof. Yes. Yes. Um, those are good for the broad-leafed evergreens or some of our needle, grief, needle evergreens that you, if they can't take up enough water in the wintertime, they tend to dry out. So you can try that if you've had um, desiccation or drying out on branches, especially maybe the south side where there is more mm-hmm. exposure and uh, higher wind. You can tr- try that and you can put that on. You want to read the label uh, because it's the temperature that's important to actually get that good coverage. So I don't know what that label is going to say. Today could be a good day, especially where the sun is out, uh, because you need a, a pretty warm temperature to put that on. Yeah, going to be 41 today and 42 tomorrow. With the So I guess that's probably as good as we're going to get. Yeah. Yes. All right, Mary. In fact, uh, that uh, Bonide product we talk about is called Wilt Stop. Wilt Stop by, or Wilt, wilt Proof or something. By, yeah, uh, by like Wilt that. Stop by Bonide. Yeah, those right. are for the evergreens. Yes, right? for the evergreens. All right, Mary, let's take a break. We have more calls, more uh, texts to uh, help out here this morning. Call in or text in. Same number, 651 989 9226. Right now, a few clouds here in the Twin Cities. Our CCO temperature reading 29. And good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here on CCO. Denny Long here with Mary Meyer from the U of M, answering your questions by phone and text as usual. Same number. Call in or text in 651-989-9226. Mary, let's go back to the phones. I believe uh, George has been waiting there. George, you're on CCO with Mary. Hi, Mary. Just wondering about raspberry bushes. Do you prune them back at all or not? Uh, yes. Normally, raspberries will really respond well to pruning. And uh, depending on what kind you have, uh, the uh, traditional ones, you can take off all the canes that that bore. Uh, are, will Once they bear uh, fruit, those canes die. And you can kind of tell that when you look at them. Uh, what the older canes are, you can prune those off to the ground. The other canes you can cut back by one-third. If you have the ever-bearing ones, they tend to bear uh, continually and don't have the whole stem that dies. You can cut them back by one-third. So if you're unsure, I would say you could cut them back by one-third. And this is a good time to do uh, pruning with the raspberries. Okay, good. Thank you, George. 
George leaves that line open, 651-989-9226. Let's go to Victoria. I believe Pete has been waiting there. Uh, go ahead, Pete. You're on CCO. Yeah, good morning. Enjoy the show. Thank you. Uh, is it too late to sod? Boy, I think so. Yeah, I think you'd have a hard time finding a sod grower who was going to come out and put the sod down. Uh, I'd, be, I'd be very concerned about that because one of the things is uh, you have to water sod. So this is not like seed where it will be, sit there dormant and be okay. Uh, the sod is uh, too vulnerable. I would, If you put that down this, this time of year, I would expect a lot of death and browning by the spring. I think yeah. the whole plant would die over the winter. So I would, I would not do that uh, until the weather uh, improves in the spring. Especially like you brought up watering. This is... Right. How are you going to water yeah. it? Yeah. It turned into a block of ice out there. <laughs> and then you'd have a real problem because once you have a plant encased in ice, that, that really is um, death. Yeah. Right. All right. Thank you, Pete. Texter says this. We planted asparagus roots last summer. Should we cut them down and should we mulch? Asparagus uh, is really hardy, so that's not something you have to worry about mulching. Uh, You could put some mulch on, uh, but I'd be very concerned about weed seeds and the introduction of weed seeds into an asparagus bed because those are perennials, and that's our biggest concern with asparagus is getting weeds um, into the bed. So uh, not necessarily uh, need to mulch. And as far as cutting it back, if you don't like the looks of it, you can. But frankly, I would just leave it alone because uh, sometimes cutting back our plants in the fall does predispose them to hardiness or winter kill. So I I just leave it alone. Keep in mind, Mary's going to be with us a little over half hour. But don't wait. If you have a question, we always get kind of uh, backlogged as we head to the top of the hour. So call in your question or text same number, 651-989-9226. Speaking of texts, uh, we've, or I've planted some new, this is for the text line now, not me. <laughs> I've planted some new spirea this year. Should I still be watering them until it freezes? Uh, yes, I would say uh, it is a good idea. Uh, the last few weeks now, we have not had much water. So especially newly planted things uh, from the end of the summer on, Right, you should have watered that. This would be kind of the last attempt at watering, and you should watch it closely when you're watering because you'd have to put it on low and slow to get it to go in at all because, again, of the ground being right at at or near freezing temperatures. So you you have to watch that. If it's just going to run off, um, you know, it's kind of past the point. But you might be able, depending on the exposure, to uh, to actually get some water in the ground. You know, we talk a lot about lawns and dormant seeding and things like that. Is is there something that the gardeners could do for their garden as we head into the depth of winter? Yes. So cleaning up your garden, vegetable plants and so on, putting any diseased plants, uh, dispose of those. Uh, in commercial or municipal compost is the best way to go. If they're not diseased, I still like to clean up the vegetable garden and put the non-diseased plants in compost. So that's the one place you can uh, minimize diseases is uh, the vegetable garden. Clean up in the fall. Clean it up. Yeah. All right. Tell you what, let's do. Let's take a break, Mary. Again, we have about a half hour of the show to go, so don't go away. If you have a question for Mary, lawn or garden type, call it in or text it in. That same number applies, 651-989-9226.
We'll be back in a moment. And good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show around every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour here on CCO. Mary Myers is uh, with us, uh, helping you out today. Uh, call in your question, your lawn or garden question, or send a text. Same number, 651-989-9226. All right, Mary, let's try to catch up on some text messages, then back to the phones we go. Um, Christmas cactus bloomed, but the leaves are drooping and limp. It was like this in the summer, too. Should I repot it? Texter wants to know. You know, I would certainly think about repotting it. Uh, Take the pot off and look at the roots. You should see white for healthy growing roots. If you don't see many white roots and they're brown or dark colored, that's a sign the root system is not healthy. So I would just consider repotting it. That wilted look on the leaves means it isn't taking up enough water, and it could be because you've maybe overwatered it and the roots have died or, or perhaps underwater. So good time for repotting. Okay. Back to the phones we go. Terry is calling from Chaska. Terry, you're on with Mary. Hi, Mary. Um, I have a question about hostas. Um, we have quite a few here. Typically, I would cut them down in the spring and clean that up. I was wondering if it's okay to uh, remove them now, or does that inhibit the, you know, the plant at all? As long as it's gone, uh, they're brown uh, and not green. As long as they're not green, uh, you can clean them up right now. I know that sometimes hostas, uh, their stems, in fact, I came into our neighborhood the other night, and I looked around the trees, and I thought, what are those things sticking up? Well, they were the hosta. They were the hosta flowers still remaining, and they were just silhouetted there in the lights. So sometimes they are kind of conspicuous. So you can cut those down. All right, good. I remember um, Julie saying, I'm too lazy. I just leave them. And <laughs> yeah, they kind of melt, don't they? They melt away. That's yeah. and, and many of them have already. Uh, melt of foliage is gone. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's see. Thank you, Terry. Um, back to the text uh, messages. Do all plants benefit from mulching for winter or should some not be mulched? Most everything does benefit from being mulched uh, in the winter. The only time I can think that would be not good is if you've got the volcanoes around the base of a tree where you've built up way, way, way more than two inches of mulch, and you've kind of got that against the the trunk of the tree. We don't advise two inches of mulch is a good amount, Um, and and up up close to the trunk of the tree is not good. But otherwise, yeah, I can't think of a time I wouldn't recommend organic mulching. Very good. 651-989-9226. That number applies to both text and calls. Uh, Texter says, we have a mature maple tree, which always produces small leaves. The trunk of the tree actually splits into three trunks. Should we remove the two smaller trunks to improve the leaves? Well, it might be the variety of maple that you have. Uh, Red maple comes out with the smallest size leaf. And now we have some hybrids between red and uh, silver maples. But those small leaves um, probably are indicative of not very healthy. So three trunks together is a really bad sign, especially if they're all together. This is a high-stress area where one of those trunks could actually just 
fall right off and rip right off. So this is what we were talking about with what's a hazardous tree look like. So on the extension.umn.edu, the Yard and Garden blog, we have some pictures up there of the multiple trunk trees showing you pointing right to where's the problem with this. Um, so I, I, it sounds like this is a small tree. For some reason, I'm thinking it's small. I, I don't know. But if it's something you as a homeowner could do, well, maybe I'd take off one of those trunks. They but, call it, uh, Mary, a mature maple tree. Yeah. So I think you need an arborist, really, to give you a recommendation. Most all the uh, the arborists will give you a free estimate. They will sure. come out and, and look at your tree and give you a free estimate. So I would go that rate, uh, route, uh, getting a couple estimates. Good idea. All right. What's the best time, Texter? A couple of questions, actually, to prune Canadian sand cherry bushes also I have a nesting blue spruce tree that needs trimming. How should that be done and when? Um, actually, you could do both of those right now. Blue spruce and sand cherry. Yeah, you could do both of those right now as dormant. Uh, the spruce, you could use some of those uh, uh, clippings in uh, evergreen arrangements. Or mm-hmm. you can use those for mulch on top of uh, herbaceous perennials. Hmm. Well, here's a, a real interesting question uh, on the text screen. I have a relative that loves to garden and grows vegetables and flowers. They use manure on their garden beds and rototill it in. They were recently diagnosed with intestinal parasites. Could this be caused by putting manure on the vegetable plants? Very concerned. Yeah, that's a great question. So normally uh, this is not a problem because most people don't use fresh manure. And unless you are really um, in touch with a farmer or, you know, regularly going to a farm where there is livestock, the manure that you would buy in a commercial uh, bag or whatever is uh, very old and decomposed. Oh, yeah. So the, the chance of parasites is very, very low because of the age of the compost. Fresh manure, big problem. Yeah, that, that certainly could be um, an issue. Most of the time it's not because things have been decomposed. But um, there is uh, a lot of information about food safety and gardening, composting, and sources of manure, using manure, and so on, on our website. So that's um, a good thing to check out. Um, well, you have so many things <laughs> on that website. I know we do. But usually, pretty much, you know, mo- most people don't have access to fresh manure unless they've got livestock. Okay. 651-989-9226. Back to the phones we go. Let's see. Susan is calling from Minneapolis. Susan, you're on CCO with Mary. Hi, good morning. Quick question regarding a indoor spike uh, bonsai tree. I got it two years ago and learned rapidly that it needs lots of water as I lost all its leaves. It is now a full tree again, but it seems to have leaf wilt. And I don't know what I've changed in the last couple of months to have the leaves look Wilted, so to speak. Is this a ficus tree? Is Did you say yeah. bones? Ficus, yeah. Okay, so ficus is an evergreen. This is not a tree that's going to lose its leaves. So, right, should be evergreen. So I assume this is a little, small, fiddly fig ficus 
or uh, the one that we see in uh, malls quite a bit, which there the leaf is bigger. So something's happening with the roots here with either too much water or too little water to have that wilting. Um, I have to tell you that this you're 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 working on one of the toughest things. The bonsai, long live bonsai, is is truly an art. It's a very difficult plant to grow indoors. It's such a limited root system compared to the volume of the top. That any time it gets in the in the wrong balance, in, unbalanced there with a root shoot ratio, it's just very very difficult. Um, most people that have good bonsai have got a greenhouse or, or some other, um, you know, 20 years of gardening skill with bonsai. It's just really tough. Is so hmm. I would applaud you for keeping yours and having it come back to life again when you lost the foliage and then it came back and everything. I, I, you know, if it was mine, I really wanted to keep it. I probably would go to a professional uh, place like Bachman's or Gertens or Otten Brothers and ask them for advice or recommendation. Um, I try to find there's also a bonsai society with local chapters where uh, you could have some um, conversations with members or, or ask questions on their website. But that is very specialized. Okay. Texture says this, Mary, how do I explain to my neighbor that the Dutch white clover I planted in my bee lawn should not be considered a broadleaf weed in his? Well, you you have to say exactly what you just said and explain to them that you're interested in the pollinators and the diversity and uh, supporting native bees as well as honeybees and so on. So I think um, having a conversation is good. Um, you might want to take some literature from our website, extension.umn.edu, or the Bee Labs website at the University of Minnesota. We have a lot of documentation now on the, the loss of pollinators and their importance to our food crops. So I would hope just education would be the answer to improved relationships and understanding. And then you might want to uh, be respectful and create a barrier or maintain the clover well into your property. And when you get to within, I don't know, 10 feet of the property line, uh, you minimize the amount of clover that's there in the in the shared space. That makes sense. Yeah, that's that's Be helpful. a good neighbor. Right. <laughs> uh, Mary is calling in from Mound. Uh, Mary, you're on with Mary. Hi. I have an asparagus patch, and this summer I was noticing baby asparagus coming up in my flower beds. And I want to know what's the best time to dig up those babies and move them back over to the patch. Uh, early spring is the best time to uh, move any asparagus. And that's, that's uh, the birds eat the, the uh, berries or the seeds on asparagus, mm-hmm. and then they uh, spread the seeds. So it's very common to see that coming up. You'll want to dig pretty deep. Uh, asparagus has a big root system mm-hmm. to uh, move those and Increase your patch. But I would say uh, early spring, just as uh, it starts to grow. Mary, a texter wants you to address this time of year, uh, amaryllis. Hey, what a beautiful plant to buy for Christmas. And you can buy this. uh, My favorite place to buy amaryllis is in the garden centers where they usually just have the bulbs sitting there. And then you can see exactly the health of the bulb, the size of the bulb, and so on. But there are a lot of stores that sell amaryllis in boxes. 
And on the box is a beautiful plant and what it's going to look like. Of course, the color, because there are a lot of yeah. different colors. You want to see that. But I would really encourage you to uh, pick up these boxes and see. Some might be really light. Now, it, it, uh, you got to check also, is there a pot inside? Because, of course, that's going to add to the weight. Sure. But if you pick up some of these boxes, you'll see some of them are really lightweight and others are heavy. This is the weight of the bulb. And s- there's different sizes of amaryllis bulbs. And these have after these have been in a box for a few months, they deteriorate. So we we are about six months out, six months six weeks out from Christmas. Six weeks is the magic number for amaryllis. If you plant them, they will bloom in about six weeks normally if their things are normal. So if you want to give one for a gift, get a heavy box. Make sure you got a big <laughs> heavy bulb. And if you want to really help out the recipient, you can actually plant it for them. Maybe put it back in the box or maybe maybe have the box uh, beside it. But planting it is another issue. And for some people, uh, some of these bulbs don't have soil in the box. There's just some, there's just a bulb, some there's a bulb, soil, and a container. So uh, check it out, though. I would encourage you to look at these bulbs before you buy them because then you'll know if it's really a good, healthy bulb. And the longer they're in the box, so, you know, clearance after Christmas, amaryllis are a real uh, question because then they could be really shriveled up. If you look in the box, you might see the flowers. They might, they might actually flower in the box. I've seen that before. So um, it, they're, when they're in the box, it's helpful, but it, look at the box. Look inside. I know we have to take a break, but I want to get Sharon's call from uh, Eden Prairie in here. Uh, Sharon, you're on CCO. Good morning. Oh, good morning. What a beautiful day. Say, Mary, is it too late to mow the lawn and mulch the leaves? Uh, no, you can still do that. Uh for most of us, our lawns have quit growing, but the leaves are still falling. I have a silver maple that will just not quit. So it's still got 25% of the leaves on that tree. And the, my lawn is covered now with the leaves. So my husband is going to be out there maybe raking if they're really deep. If not, he'll just run that lawnmower around to put to mulch up those leaves and the rule is 20%. So you want to leave 80% of your lawn should be uncovered, only 20% covered. Otherwise, keep uh, raking or chopping those leaves. It seems like it's never ending this year. It's later and later. Yeah. We always used to think the second week in November was the drop for that silver maple. And here we are in the <laughs> third week, and it's not dropped. Oh, my We'll be doing that this uh, weekend, I know. Yes. Quick uh, break This uh, coming up here on CCO. We have more show to come. We have callers. We have texters, so don't go away. Smart Garden returns here in a moment on 830WCCO. And good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden show around every Saturday here on CCO in the 8 o'clock hour. Mary Meyer is with us from the University of Minnesota and helping you out by uh, phone and by text. Speaking of which, uh, Mary, let's go back to the phones. Kay is on the line. I believe uh, Kay is calling us from Waverly. Good morning, Kay. Good morning. Uh, my question is, we have ornamental red dogwoods in front of our screen porch, and they have gotten to be about five feet tall. How, can we, how short can we safely cut them, and is this a good time? You can cut them back a lot, Kay. Um, sometimes there's a practice called coppicing with these dogwoods, which actually cuts them back to the ground, like within six inches of the ground. 
uh, take the whole top off because these plants will grow back again. You know, once they're established, and I think at five feet tall, it sounds like they are. So uh, some people do this regularly because the new growth on these dogwoods is the most attractive and bright red color. So you might want to cut them down now, and maybe you can even use them for decorations uh, for Christmas time, for the holidays. But uh, this is a good time of year to do it uh, in dormant season. All right, very good. You know, we have a follow-up. Remember we had a, um, a question about sod Oh, yeah. about the sod yes. and uh, see if I can find this here. Um, it was from a uh, sod company. Oh, sod company is listening. Now, if I can find it. Good. What are they doing? Oh, here it is. Hi, Denny and Mary. My son is a sod repair supervisor for a turf company, and their sod season ended November 4th this year, which was two Early. weeks earlier than last year. For your information, 98% of sod is for new construction. Interesting. So thank you. There yeah. you have it from the business uh, end of things. So, yes, uh, the fourth see when it started to get cold, couldn't put it out. Yep. And that's right. That's good. You don't want to see that brown uh, carpet out there in the spring. A lot of questions about hostas today. Uh, here's one. I have two, uh, two hostas and two pots. Do I need to put them in the garage or take them out of the pot or bring them in the house or what? They're not going to live outside uh, above ground. I, I mean, I'd be really surprised if they did. It's the roots that are uh, not as hardy as the top. So when that root is out of ground, uh, it, and it is in, when it's above ground in a pot, it's much more likely to die. So the garage uh, where they won't, uh, hopefully won't go real cold, or if you can get them in the ground, I would try to do that. Put the whole pot in the ground or just uh, put them put them in a protected area. Earlier, Mary, you and I were talking about the great place that the Arboretum is. Here's, here's a question. My husband and I got married at the Arboretum last May. Fun. We would like to plant an anniversary tree this upcoming May. Living by a lowland with high water table, could we get by with planting tamarack trees? I do it. Tamarack yeah. is a, it's kind of my first choice for that high water table. They're a beautiful tree, quite unique, native to Minnesota. They have um, uh, needles, but the needles turn bright yellow and drop in the winter time. So they're a deciduous conifer. Uh, I did just read an article about a native insect that has been more problematic uh, in Minnesota on conifers, uh, a large uh uh, a large insect, but uh, I, I, that's a great tree. I would uh, really consider planting that. Red maple is another one that is tolerant of uh, high water tables, but um, the larch very pretty. Here it is almost December, and another question, is it too late to put grass seed down? What would you recommend? Maybe this weekend, maybe? If you've already got the seed, it's not going to germinate in your garage. So, yes, I would put that down for dormant seeding. But if you haven't purchased the seed, I would not buy it. It's really, it's it's late for be doing dormant seeding because at this point the ground is so frozen that uh, you could have some of it uh, blow away, wash away. The birds could eat it. Uh, Teresa was recommending doing it right before a snow. So, uh, right. If you, if you can, if you could follow that, <laughs> that's great. If you have your time to do that, uh, that's great. What does one do? Texture says for the black leaves that appear on glorious daisies and now my hardy asters don't remember that happening years ago. 
So that black discoloration is a leaf spot disease. And we see that a lot on the rudbeckias, uh, daisy-like flowers. So anytime you've had a, a leaf disease, you want to clean up those plants and get rid of them. Put them in the municipal compost. Um, it, it, it try not, probably not in your own compost pile because home composts don't get that hot. And then you want to look for disease-resistant forms of this so that the gold rush is a new form of rudbeckia, uh, the, the daisy-like flower, yellow daisy-like flower that does not get the leaf spot. So we were talking about that the last time I was on the show, and we wrote an article about that on the Yard and Garden blog. Okay. For uh, That's an award-winning perennial that uh, the, the gold rush form of it is disease-resistant. So if you've had disease problems, you know, cl- sanitation is a good thing. But getting disease-resistant forms is another uh, option. We have, uh, Mary, less than a minute to go. Uh, Get to the Arboretum. Uh, What's going on again for those that don't know? Wonderful display with the winter lights coming up, holiday music there a couple Mm -hmm. times today, great prices at the uh, gift shop, and then really a winter wonderland of music and lights, uh, actually highlighting some of the breeding programs that have gone on at the university with the plants that are there. And that uh, winter lights is Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's free with admission, a great time to become a member if you're not a member of the Arboretum. Excellent. Landscape Arboretum. you got to get there. Mary, happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. Same to you, Denny. Always a pleasure to Thanks. be here. Thanks for your help today. I know our listeners do appreciate it. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.